and it was kind of nice to experience both. I would prefer it to be colder personally, just because sleeping at like 68, 70 with my sleeping bag was just gross. It was like so hot and uncomfortable. But yeah, so it was, the bugs had disappeared by then. But I know if you go in the middle of summer, the bugs are absolutely horrible. I actually hiked up Camel's Hump last year for training on the JMT. And that was around the beginning of July. And the black flies were so horrible. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where we get to pull up a seat at the campfire and enjoy some through hiking stories of triumphs and challenges and oh, the lessons learned. Today's guest is Eagle Eye, known off trail as Caitlin Reeser. She would have, should have been on the PCT with me this year. Instead, she stayed closer to home, completing the long trail. It joins the John Muir Trail, which she hiked last year. In this episode, we talk about the differences between those two trails how our PCT plans went awry, altitude sickness, and the things she learned for the next one. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Eagle Eye. Nice to speak with you, my fellow coulda, woulda, shoulda been a PCT year. <laughs> oh, okay. So you saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was oh. a bummer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It is fantastic to talk to another coulda, woulda, shoulda been PCT uh, alumni. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm really hoping for next year, but I don't know. I feel like it's 50-50 at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. Were you planning on trying to go next year, or do you not know if that's going to line up now? I was not planning on trying to go next year. Um, my okay. bank account needs to be replenished. Yeah, that might be my concern, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, uh, so, yeah, I was not, I was not uh, holding out the expectation that I would be able to do it next year. But I basically, I set a timeline for five years, within the next five years. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of little things you could do in that time. Totally. Yeah. And, and you are inspiring me in that way because you went out and did a couple of, or I guess this year you did one and last year you did another one, get your feet kind of wet hikes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like a little taste just to see because I've always wanted to do the PCT, but I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this doesn't make sense. It's like six, five, six months. Let me try it and see what I think. And I'm pretty obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I think about. <laughs> well, and last year you did the JMT, which is a piece of the PCT as well. So you sort of really got your feet wet there. Yeah, I was like all or nothing. Like I want to see some amazing sights. And yeah, I feel pretty lucky that I got to do that. And there weren't any big complications or anything. 
you know, with the snow or fires. Or... Right. So I actually did um, get altitude sickness the first couple of days and I just took it easy and I wasn't able to go up Whitney. So I'm going to have to go back to that. If nothing um, else. <laughs> when I hike the PCT, I'll go up Whitney. <laughs> exactly. The whole point of hiking the PCT is so you can get up Whitney now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> How was the altitude sickness for you? Um, so it actually happened the first night and we only hiked about six miles that first day. And we started, we went northbound and most people typically go southbound. And that was because I couldn't get a permit. It's really hard to get a permit to hike the JMT from Yosemite Valley. I would so I started from Cottonwood Lakes and it actually added about, I think it was 22 to 24 extra miles that we had to hike and at high elevation. And I'm from Ohio and it is so flat here. <laughs> Um, I've had some experience with elevation and we did do some, um, altitude training and in Colorado, we drove out there and stayed a couple of days and did a few hikes. And then we stayed in Mammoth and did a little bit of walking around there. But I think the first campsite was at about 10,000 feet that we stayed at. And my symptoms were, I had chills, stomach issues, headaches fatigue, had absolutely no appetite, and I didn't eat dinner the first night, which was probably not a great idea. And then the next couple of days, a little bit of dehydration. And oh, yeah, it was, I was, (laughs) I was the hottest I had ever been. And I just, we went through a pretty dry section right before we got up to Whitney. And, (laughs) you know, you learn that you need to carry a certain amount of water for certain stretches, and we were still learning. And it was, I was well taken care of by my partner, Darren. Well, I got into my quilt and had put on all my sleeping clothes, all my warm clothes, and I was still shivering for about two hours. He made me tea and just he cuddled with me <laughs> and got me warm. But yeah, I couldn't stop. I had the chills and I just could not stop shaking. It finally went away about after a couple hours. But um, And just taking rest and not making the decision to not go up Whitney, I think that was probably best for my body. And it kind of sucked, but I didn't dwell on it too long, you know? Yeah, I feel like at that point, your body was telling you what you shouldn't do. Right, right, yeah. And and you think the chills and stuff like that were altitude because the, the temperatures weren't cold enough, at least at that point, to have chilled you? Uh, no, no. I had read that that was a side effect. I know that it can affect people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can get pulmonary edema, Yeah. which, yeah. Um, I mean, you can have symptoms of a cold, coughing and severe headaches. It didn't get quite to that point. And I, if that would have happened, I would have definitely turned around because um, that's not anything you want to mess with. Right. But would you, I mean, you say I would have turned around. Would you probably have turned around, gotten to a lower elevation got it back under control again and then done it, tried to do it slower? Or do you think you probably would have said just, we're not going to do it this year? Um, I'm pretty stubborn. So I probably would have <laughs> waited a little bit and then done it. Yeah. I, I don't like to give up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of as the long as it was, I didn't see- 
I just had to get out there and see what it was all about and see all these beautiful sights. And uh, yeah, you're bringing up some good memories. The views are just amazing out there. So was it everything you thought it would be? Yes, I just feel like I didn't spend enough time out there. I mean, that's just the downside of through hiking. You don't really get to thoroughly enjoy an area. But I think it kind of makes it that much sweeter because it's this really great memory all at once that you get to hold on to. And maybe you can go back and visit this place eventually. But I think that's another side of me that I just feel like I have to keep going. Mm -hmm. My mom actually told me when I was seven months, I walked and then I ran the very next day. (laughs) (laughs) I just had too much energy and this might sound awful, but. I was one of those kids that she put one of those wrist leashes on mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wouldn't run away from her at the grocery store. But it's fun because then I got to use it on my sister. So <laughs> You got to use it on your sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I could play mom to my sister. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Do you, you, you made a mention, I think, in one of your posts that because of how much you enjoyed like the JMT and how beautiful it was – but also how much you wish you could have stopped for a little bit and just sat in the moment, sat in the scenery. Do you think you would, if you were to go back and do the JMT again, not necessarily the whole PCT because you've got to rush or move, keep moving. But if you were to do the JMT again, do you think you would take a little bit more time? Um, yeah, I think I would. I would probably do little sections of it, go back to the areas that really stood out. And maybe actually explore off of the JMT a little bit because I've read that and I've seen pictures that, I mean, it's just as beautiful and on the surrounding trails. I'm not, I don't really have any that stick out to me right now, but yeah, definitely spend a little bit more time just because I love taking photographs. I think spending extended time in an area really gives you an opportunity to find those great shots. And sunrise and sunset is definitely the best. And that's something on the long trail that was hard to come by. I think I saw one sunrise just because it's mostly a tunnel. and it, But I still love it. I still love the long trail, too. <laughs> well, I guess the long trail sort of gave you a, a an opportunity to test out the AT. Yeah. Okay. And I, ne- I always thought I won't do the AT. Like, I don't want to be in a tunnel. I want these expansive, amazing views. Um, I don't want to be rained on constantly. I don't want to be soggy and wet. <laughs> I, you know, I want to see those sunrises and sunsets, but I feel like, I don't know if it's just because it's so fresh. I got off the tr- long trail about a week and a half ago, but it, I might like it more than the JMT. <laughs> it was really a challenge. It was tough. And I had expected that. I remember reading that it was the most rugged long distance trail in the U.S. And it's the oldest. And it was inspired. The Appalachian Trail was inspired by the Long Trail. And it does share 100 miles. The first 100 miles with the Long Trail. Or the Long Trail shares the first 100 miles with the Appalachian Trail. (laughs) However you want to say it. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, it was right. (laughs) It was just very rugged. Um, there were sections where we had to climb, scramble, pull ourselves up with roots. 
it's not the kind of trail you can just walk and look around, kind of looking at the ground most of the time. <laughs> but you can stop and look around. Lots of I got tripped up many times by roots that like to reach out and grab you. <laughs> so there are lots lots of obstacles in the way, and the climbs are just beefy. Beefy. How how do you define beefy? Um, like some days we would be like doing five. I mean, I don't I don't do a ton of climbing because I don't really live near mountains. I wish I did, but 5,000 to 6,000 feet of elevation gain a day, some days back to back. That was kind of a lot for me, but it was really nice to push myself and challenge myself with that. And there were some areas, it was actually one area up Mount Mansfield where we pushed our packs. We passed our packs to each other because there was some climbing involved, but that was one of the, fun parts everyone always talked about how scared they were of mansfield or this and that the chin the nose because it actually looks like a face <laughs> and i yeah i didn't know all this because i was like i'm not going to read anything about it i'm not going to psych myself out and i'm glad i didn't because i just got to enjoy it the way that you know in the moment and not worry about what everyone else said about it so with what you learned on the jmt and what you learned now about yourself on the long trail how is that changing either what trail you do next or how you do the PCT. Right. So I know it's going to be, it might be based on right now, like if I'm going to do it at all on if we're allowed, but or permitted. Uh, but um, I am going to try to lighten my pack even more, which is kind of exciting to me. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I always felt like it was kind of silly, like all the people trying to lighten their pack. But I've had, so on the JMT, I wore hokas and my feet just got like destroyed for six months after the hike. I suffered with plantar fasciitis. And I think part of the reason it took so long to heal is because I kind of didn't listen to the advice of doctors that I should wear inserts. Because I don't know, I felt kind of stubborn, like, oh, you know, I can heal, I can strengthen my feet. But on the long trail, I decided to wear more supportive shoes and the inserts. And my feet are totally fine. I'm so happy that I don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, and I noticed the more weight that I have in my pack, the more my feet hurt. Yeah. So lightening that really, really makes my feet feel better, especially, I would say, like, after about 15 miles is when my feet would start to hurt more, but the less I had in it, the further I could go without them hurting. What shoes did you migrate to? Um, there were shoes that I had used before, and I don't know why I didn't stick with them. They were the La Sportiva Bushidos. Say that again? The La Sportiva what? Bushido. I think some people say that they're kind of narrow, uh, and they, they are. They don't have like the wide toe box as much as the Ultras, which I wish they had a little bit wider. And I did try Ultras too. Because you know how everyone freaks out yes. about that. <laughs> yes, but they are even probably less supportive than Hoka's. Right. Yeah. And the Hoka's, they actually wore the more neutral, like minimal ones. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have as much cushion, like, you know, stack height, you know, how they're like right. super fluffy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so these aren't as fluffy, but I rolled my ankles so many times. And I remember I made a video. I was just like, I don't know how many times I rolled my ankles today, but they hurt. <laughs> so it was better for me to get shoes that were like lower and didn't have 
as much fluff. <laughs> right. Keep you lower to uh, the ground. Yeah. Another thing I've struggled with is uh, I had a bulge disc in my low back. Right. Um, and just having a lighter pack helps with that so much. But I have to, it, walking actually helps with it too. I was, right before the JMT, I was trying to heal my bulge disc and it actually like, felt much better after the hike. I think walking is one of the best things you can do for your back, which at first it might be a little painful, but if you keep up with stretching and I had some physical therapy that I did, um, that can really help. But walking is, I feel like it's like the best thing for your back. Well, I guess it, it can be, they say, like they say that the body, when you apply force, it's what keeps the bones strong. It what it's what keeps the ligament strong. You know that kind of stuff. And I would I would wonder if that applies also to the the discs in your back. Yeah, definitely. Walking will help strengthen all the surrounding muscles to support your back mm-hmm. for sure. And the discs, and yeah, definitely. And I think you mentioned that you also had degenerative disc issues, or was that a misdiagnosis? Right. Well. <laughs> I think We're that was a grain sure. of salt. Got it. <laughs> I mean, I don't look at it as like it, it was degenerative disc disease is what the doctor said. But I looked it up and <laughs> it pretty much says that like once you age, your discs degenerate. Like everyone deals with that. I guess to which to which the, how severe it is is another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, mine's not severe at all. I think that I had neglected strengthening exercises, specific strengthening exercises, and certain muscles were overcompensating and it caused a weakness. And I think that's where my bulge disc pretty much came from. Um, But now I'm definitely focusing on the exercises they've given me and it really helps keep everything in check. And you're doing those on trail as well as off? Um, not so much on trail, especially if I'm getting up at like (laughs) six or seven and then, you know, quit like hike all day and then hike until six or seven. No, (laughs) (laughs) but I will definitely do stretches. Those really help. Um, I feel like the, the hiking all day thing is probably enough to, (laughs) but if I do feel something coming on, I know what to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I love those little, the massage ball that you can take on trail too. That really helps with uh, tight muscles or knots or anything like that. Did you do the Rology, the the cork balls or did you do some other balls? Yeah, the Rology ball. I like that. It's nice and light. It's durable. Yeah, I really like that. And I brought that on the long trail and I used it about the first week, week and a half, and then I didn't really seem to need it afterward, but it was kind of nice just to have in case. Which size did, did you take, the golf ball or the, the bigger? Um, I think there are three sizes. I took the one that's, okay, the size of the tennis ball. Okay. But I think I'm going to get the smaller one because I don't think I need one that big, and I'm trying to get smaller things. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It goes all the way back to the dropping weight thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could totally see you out there, uh, you know, if you truly wanted to, to get into the spirit of it, like uh, shaving uh, cork off of your, the ball that you have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I might ruin it. <laughs> I just, just get a new one. <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't roll the exact same way, but. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. What uh, What else did you 
learn about your, your hiking style or your hiking preference, so to speak? As much as I want to slow down and enjoy things, I just have something inside of me that just wants to like finish the trail. You know what I mean? Like I just, I found out that I just want to keep hiking all day. There's just something, I don't know, kind of empowering about it. When you first start out and you're not in great shape, I've learned to really just take it slow and listen to my body. I think that was another reason on the JMT why I messed my feet up because there wasn't really a chance for us to slow down as much because we had to carry a certain amount of food and we only had a certain amount of access to town. I probably could have taken more time in town, but that wasn't really in the schedule. So (laughs) I think I appreciated that about the long trail. Like we, yeah, that was another thing I learned that I planned everything on the John Muir trail to a T. So it worked out very well. I planned, I planned our food and I dehydrated a bunch of food, sent all the resupplies, but on the long trail, I decided to just leave it kind of open. I did send some items to post offices and we picked those up, but we also resupplied in grocery stores too. So we could choose the food that we might want to eat. I don't know. Cause you kind of get sick of the same thing or the things that you send yourself. It sounds good at first. And then your tastes really change. I crave some weird things out there sometimes. And I never actually end up satisfying the cravings. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, well, I don't mean that I keep craving it. I just mean that I'll have this craving for like a week or so. And then I either forget about it or, but it'll stay with me. Like for on the John Muir trail, for some reason I craved mozzarella cheese sticks and I never eat those. <laughs> and then on the long trail, I craved pizza rolls because for some reason the forest smelled spicy like pizza rolls. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. But that I mean, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't. There wasn't a chance for me to like go buy a bag of pizza rolls and pop them in an oven or anything. <laughs> right. It would be hard to, to fulfill a craving when you're out in the middle of nowhere, basically. Right. Yeah. By, I would say by about two, 300 miles, I start craving like real food. And more than that, I always want a salad. I would say that I would start craving like salmon and spinach. And just like power food. Basically your body telling you that you need certain things. Right. Yeah, definitely. Since you, on the JMT, since you dehydrated most of your food, like what were you planning? What what did you eat or were you planning on eating? So we did, I did a, dehydrated most of our dinners. I, de, I made a big pot of chana masala, chickpeas and curry and tomato sauce. and. I brought a packet of coconut, powdered coconut milk, and I would mix that in when, once we cooked that for dinner. And also another one was black bean chili. Um, we have a thing in Cincinnati called Skyline Chili. And it sounds really weird, but it's chili with cinnamon and chocolate. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> like some people are so grossed out by it too because it's actually traditionally with meat. But also you can make it with black beans. Um, well, they sell it with black beans too. But it's chili, spaghetti. Spaghetti noodles, chili. You can also get beans on it. And it comes with like a huge pile of cheese. Like like gross pile of cheese. <laughs> I almost feel like you're <laughs> making I this up, but I know you aren't. 
like, I know I need people to see a picture of this right now because <laughs> I think the cheese is taller than the chili and the noodles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you're going to have to send me a picture of this and we'll, we'll post it for the episode. <laughs> oh, no, I can't be, I can't be associated with this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, some people really don't like it, but, but some people are, they love it. <laughs> and and that is what you dehydrated so for we, the JMT? So we, no, 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 no. <laughs> we had the black bean version. So it's pretty okay. much like chili, chili beans. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we make? I put together some random things. Oh, we bought a big can of like freeze dried chicken. And we added that to our meals, made um, peanut noodles. We also made... Um, you know, of course, we had ramen. Of course, I made. <laughs> Actually, I like the rice ramen better than the the other ramen that puffs me up and makes my face look crazy. I don't know why, and it's so cheap, which makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> it makes oh my gosh, yeah. I made homemade granola and homemade oatmeal packets with freeze dried fruit and nuts, um, chia seeds. And then we added the powdered coconut milk to that too. So that was really good. High calorie and lightweight. Yeah. And did you augment any of that with like store-bought foods more on the, I guess the the candy or the chip or the crunchy or the savory side? Yeah. Sometimes like the oatmeal, I would, I know it's not what you asked, but the oatmeal, I would put peanut butter in to add extra calories, especially if we had like a huge climb coming. Mm-hmm. Or if we're like super hungry, and yeah, I we added Snickers because those are those are the best in my opinion. <laughs> and they're like they're like trail currency. It seems like too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they they are su- such great fuel out there. Why do you think it's Snickers above any other type of candy bar? Oh man, it's just the perfect combination. I think chocolate, <laughs> chocolatey, peanutty. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, I I know. I wonder if Snickers understands what that their that their bars are currency. <laughs> it's like sometimes I wonder if if the uh, Smart Water understands that their water bottles are like the go to for through hikers, right? You know, it's or is it such a niche that oh. they don't even pay attention? I've had my Smart Water bottle for I would say five hundred miles at least, so. I wouldn't say that it's a single-use plastic at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, though. Right. Yeah. I I had a photo shared um, by a comp- an outdoor com- gear company, and I had a smart water bottle attached to the front of my pack. Mm-hmm. And I think they were sharing because I was wearing, you know, a piece of their clothing. And someone got – there was this huge debate on my water bottle that was on the front. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I wish that wouldn't have been on the front, but at the same time, they stood up for the fact that through hikers use those and they use them over and over and over. And it's not, you know, necessarily like a single use plastic for us. Right. What was the, what was the debate? I think people were just mad that a company like that was representing or by sharing this photo, they felt like they were standing for single use plastics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was that was last year. I right. can't remember the exact details of it, but 
which is which is kind of out of context for through hiking specifically or that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I wish it were easier to use less, but everything is you just use so much packaging. <laughs> I know. I think that that's the out there. That's the downside, particularly if you're not dehydrating, particularly if you're picking up your stuff from stores along the way. Right. And it was nice to make our own things because we could, I went with my partner, Darren, um, so we could put all of our meals in bulk, like in one bag, but still, it's hard. Did you guys share snacks and, and everything? And, and did you have any, did you run out of anything along the way? Because you were hungrier than you thought you were going to be or? No, I think I planned pretty well. I I think I had a lot of free time last year <laughs> and I actually calculated all of the calories and kind of guesstimated how much we would burn based on the elevation and how many miles we were expected to do. So we did a pretty good job and I think I only lost like a pound or two and Darren did lose some weight and on the long trail, I didn't lose any weight, which I wasn't expecting to. I didn't need to, but I feel like that's something people always ask. How much weight did you lose? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. But he lost 10 pounds. On the long trail? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know I hear from a lot of people that, you know, women generally are eating or trying to eat around 4,000 calories a day. And guys obviously need more than that. And it's hard to just eat that much food. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to carry that much food and you just kind of get sick of that kind of food. Oh, yeah. By the end of the long trail, I was, oh, man, I just did not want to eat any more bars because I would eat like three or four bars in the morning slash afternoon. It was just, it's just a lot of sweet food. It's hard to find snacks and food that make you feel good that and fill you up that aren't sweet because they're just so, the sweet ones are so mm -hmm. dense. Yeah. It's all about the calories, baby. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, so on the trail, the long trail, I would say that I was could probably have eaten more, but we were able to go into town every uh, four days or so. So each time we'd go into town, I feel like I would replenish myself on the town days and just eat so much food. <laughs> Did the amount of food that you were eating surprise you? Um, yes and no. I mean, I kind of did expect it, but yeah, the hiker hunger definitely hits me. I think I have a pretty fast metabolism anyway, but <laughs> just constant eating <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I think that's the the upside downside of through hiking. And I think I'm over it now. Um <laughs> I think it has subsided because I actually didn't really do much active about a week or a week after the trail. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let my body rest and catch up and it did have them start starting to work out again. So maybe the hunger will come back. <laughs> not like that though. Right. Definitely not like that. Right. I mean, it's, it's not very often that you're exercising enough or, or, active enough to eat like 4,000 calories. I mean, I would love to be half as active as I am on through hikes. It's just, it's like invigorating. I love it. I love moving and 
yeah, I don't know. I think it really helps your mental state too, being active and moving your body. Oh, totally. I know walking is the only thing that's gotten me through this pandemic. Oh yeah. Are you? Where have you been walking? Uh, just around the neighborhood, around the the town, but okay. being able to get out every day and go for a walk, even if it's just an hour or two hour walk, is you know life saving right now. Oh, I know what you mean. Oh. <laughs> Got my walk in this morning, so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Did coming off of the trail, you talked about coming off the long trail and having some post-trail depression. Did you also have any issues or have you had any issues readjusting how you eat and your, your relationship with food and that kind of thing? Um, well, so I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was suffering from depression. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more so, I feel like I'm in a rut mm. at this point because with COVID, it, it's made things a lot more difficult. Yeah. Um, I was actually, so I'm a jewelry designer and metalsmith, and I work out of my home, and I usually travel and do craft shows. And that's actually how I started getting into hiking and exploring the outdoors and eventually through hiking. But the shows haven't been happening this year, so I've lost all of that income from the shows. I usually do one to two, one or two a month. Um, wow. and I was hoping that I would have the holidays are like a great time for artists and the craft shows, but they're, most of them are not happening. So I'm a little bummed about that. I get to connect with all these people and it, yeah, it's, it's hard. And actually I was also laid off from my other job too, um, in January. So just trying to find new ways to make income is my goal right now as far as the eat the eating thing um i allowed myself to eat junk i was like okay i'm gonna let myself eat junk for like a week <laughs> but it only ended up being a couple of days because i'm kind of like i'm very health conscious and i i like to eat um <laughs> my greens and my salads and actually avocado on trail I was going to say this before avocado on trail is like my new found love. It's, it's like a great source of power. And I feel like it kept me full for hours. All of those brilliant fats. Oh yeah. So I'm definitely going to be taking avocado, even though it's heavy. I think it's worth it. And it tastes amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of heavy, you're also carrying a camera with you. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's as you, I yeah. think you, you quoted it as four pounds of, of weight. Yes. Including the accessories that I didn't really use this time, which <laughs> I'm not bringing those next time. I mean, typically if I go out on a short trip, I'll definitely use my tripod and my remote shutter release. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't use, I used them once and I was like, you know, that's not really enough to justify carrying them. So I think I'll be dishing those next time. And I might even get a lighter camera. As much as I love that camera, I'll either get a lighter camera or only bring one lens because I brought two lenses. Um, I use them both. And I that's, I would say that's probably my favorite piece of gear is my camera. So I have to have that. But I might have to do a little bit of research on different types of cameras for the next trail. Who knows? We'll see. 
Is Darren coming with you? Or did he? Uh, uh. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I was, so I was ready to hit the PCT in March and I was going to go solo. I had everything I needed. I actually went out and panic bought a bunch of food mm-hmm. to send myself because, you know, everything was hitting the fan with COVID. Yeah. So that was another reason I wanted to do the long trails because I had all this like backpacking food sitting around. It wasn't a ton. It was just a little bit to send to random towns. But yeah, so I was ready to hit the trail and like a week before I was supposed to fly to California, um, California went on lockdown and I was like, okay, I guess it's not happening anymore, which in retrospect, I'm glad that it happened before instead of after I got on trail because I did watch a bunch of people get on trail and have to get off like a couple of days after and that, that had to not be fun for them. Yeah. When were you supposed to start? Uh, April 4th. Okay. Yeah. I think mine was like March 30th. Okay. Yeah. Probably would have seen each other on trail. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But yeah, I I was sort of in that, you know, the first two weeks, what's going to happen? Could we possibly maybe make it still happen? Uh, No, not going to happen. I was in that group. (laughs) No. Yeah. I held out hope for a little bit. I was like, well, maybe I can even go later. I, for a second, I was like, well, maybe I can go southbound. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, actually. Just, just kidding. (laughs) You're, you're literally mimicking the thoughts going through my head. I was like, okay, how late could I start in April and still be okay and still get done before it gets too crazy on the other side? Okay. That day's passed. Okay. So, but what about southbound? What? Yeah, exactly. Right. Same thought process. But so, I don't know if you've been seeing all the, all the people that have actually hiked this year, mm-hmm. but they're finishing photos. I mean, it just makes me like want to do it so much more, like seeing them at the terminus. Yeah. It's a little and hard it's, to see them at the terminus, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, now it doesn't seem as big of a deal uh, to me as it did then. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh no, like I, you know, I don't. I don't think it's a good idea to go, but I did hear of some people having people resupply them right along the way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that there was any best choice this year. You just sort of had to make your own personal choice. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but circling back to you doing the PCT by yourself, when you do the JMT and when you did the long trail, and I, I guess, and talking about pack weight, when you did those other trails, Darren was carrying some important pieces of gear for you. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was carrying the tent, which <laughs> yeah. actually, okay, so our tent weighed about three pounds. And my, I say that it evened out in terms of, no, he was carrying more. <laughs> <laughs> um, my camera gear weighed about four pounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking, okay, you know. Like you carry the tent, I'll carry this. And I did carry the stove um, and cook set. And he he carried the bigger bear vault and I carried the smaller one. And I think that was mainly because my back issues too. And we wanted to try to keep my pack as light as possible. Because I carry a lot of food out there. Yeah. That was something that was nice about the long trail. You could carry a lot 
less, a lot fewer days worth of food. But what was your plan without having Darren there to carry these these things to help offset the weight that you were carrying for your camera? Um, we I do have a smaller tent, which I'm actually thinking about upgrading that again. <laughs> because why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I this whole like game of gear. It's just kind of fun, but it's also ridiculous. Like you don't need to get new things all the time. Like if you want to get out there, just get out there and go. Yeah. If you don't, <laughs> but part of it is fun, and we do buy things used occasionally. Like we got our tent off of eBay, and it was a fraction of the price, and we've used it on the JMT and the Long Trail. I think it's the Nemo Dagger. And I have the Nemo Hornet two-person, which is not big enough for two people, but I was going to take that. It's really small. Like, you wouldn't want to do a through-hike with two people in that. But it's enough for one person and their gear. Right. Um, The gear is the second person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was going to take that on the PCT the Nemo Hornet, which is two pounds. So yeah. Oh, and I was not going to bring a stove. So I was going to sacrifice that. I was going to cold soak or just buy, you know, wraps and things that I, bagels and things that I could eat without cooking Uh, and try that out for a little bit and see how I, what I thought about it. Did you test that out on the long trail? Um, Yeah. And I, I think, I think I can do it. (laughs) Um, I actually did start to eat a lot of mashed potatoes on the long trail, which you you don't need to heat those up. I mean, they're really up, but they're instant. And yeah, it's weird. The things that you start to eat out there that you don't normally (laughs) eat. (laughs) So that's how I was going to offset the weight a little bit. But I think I am going to try a Z-Pack tent if I can get my hands on one and decide which one I want. It's, they have a lot of good options, but they are very expensive. They are. But they'll they'll take off those grams and ounces. It's true. Might have to try to get one that's used. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also got my shoes used on REI's used section. And they held up the whole hike. Wow. <laughs> so, that's yeah, they awesome. were half price. And I was just like, okay, I'll try it. And they were in really, they were almost new condition, excellent condition. So I can highly recommend buying used for sure. As long as you're uh, comfortable with the condition of the, of the stuff. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely read the description thoroughly and make sure that you know what you're getting Mm -hmm. and that there's maybe a guarantee if it's not what you thought it was. Right. Right. We've been happy with our purchases. When you were buying the used gear through REI, did that come with any sort of, guarantee or was it sort of um, sight, sight unseen you get what you pay for I trust REI so I did, <laughs> I wasn't really too worried about it and I I think it was 30 days okay um, that you could return it if you weren't completely satisfied with the condition but they they were practically new I was surprised I think they just couldn't sell them because they probably had some scuff marks on them or something. Right. Well, I mean, and, and because of REI's guarantee, you know, you can buy it, you take it out, walk around in it, find that it really doesn't work and bring it back and they'll, they'll take it back 
which is amazing for being able to test out gear. Oh, I know. I always recommend that to people because I don't know. I feel like people will just randomly buy things and then expect it to work. But I feel like with gear, it's so personal. You have to really try it yourself and you can't just go get something someone has because you like them or you think that it works for them. It might not work for you. So Aria is definitely a great option for that. It's funny. I think that like that's one of the big sort of takeaways for me from the the podcast overall, you know, is so many people are like, well, this is what worked for me, but there's no guarantees that it's going to work for you. You know, you got to right. test it. You got to try it out. Like with the ultras, especially, I feel like people are like, oh, these are my dreams. It's like heaven. I have no foot problems. And then other people are like, they destroyed my feet. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I want them to work for me too, but they just don't. Yeah. Um, so you really, really need to thoroughly test things out, especially before through hike, just kind of, and listen to your body. That's also very important. You can't ignore things. It can turn into an injury. Very quickly. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, now on the JMT, you guys had fun with mosquitoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you also have a lot of bug mosquito issues on the long trail as well? No, not at all. Maybe the first, oh my gosh, like not at all. The first couple of days, it was very warm. Um, it was actually in the 80s, which I was surprised that it was that hot. But I guess it was still kind of the end of summer. And then after that, it dipped down into the 20s at night. So we had a wide range of temperatures. And it was kind of nice to experience those. I would prefer it to be colder personally, mm-hmm. just because sleeping at like 68, 70 with my sleeping bag was just gross. It was like so hot and uncomfortable. But yeah, so it was, the bugs had disappeared by then. But I know if you go in the middle of summer, the bugs are absolutely horrible. I actually hiked up Camel's Hump last year for training on the JMT and that was around the beginning of July and the black flies were so horrible. <laughs> I think that's another reason I chose to go later in the season because I didn't want to have to deal with the swarming bugs. And I think we choice with that. <laughs> How did you guys <laughs> deal with the with the bugs, uh mosquitoes, black flies and so forth on the JMT? Was it literally just outwalk them? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> um, there's really no getting away from them. I I did douse myself in bug spray a couple times, and I feel like that works to an extent. The head, we also brought those, but the most annoying times were when we were trying to eat, and you, like, we did actually have to eat in our tent a time or two because we just couldn't get away from them. And I mean, if you want mosquitoes in your mouth. And <laughs> then there you have it. But I, yeah, they were just, they were everywhere on the JMT. And it seems like in that case, the, the cold soaking would actually be beneficial because you don't have to stop and cook something outside of, well, hypothetically outside of your tent. Um, right. You can sort of right. set up and just go in and start eating. Yeah, which I know it's not recommended, and I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> but right. 
we were desperate people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. We cooked outside of our tent. And then when we tried to take our head nets off to eat, that that was when the, (laughs) that was when they really started forming. It's almost like in that case, you need like a mosquito netting that you could hang from something or whatever that would cover both of you to create this little safe zone, so to speak. I I feel like I've seen people do that. Like, I feel like I've seen like four or five hikers under one of those before. Like, this is how we like enjoy our lunch break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can get pretty bad. I mean, at some point you're just like, whatever. And you just kind of ignore them. But yeah, we did have to keep hiking. Oh man. Even when you stop to collect water, you're like, all right, do this quickly and hurry up because they are on you immediately. <laughs> they're they're bloodthirsty little suckers yeah i can imagine i don't know what else they're feeding on <laughs> out there i got to imagine there's at least some animals around somewhere but yeah yeah definitely did you guys see any animals out there on the long trail on either trail um i saw a bear on the jmt and that was actually near tuolumne meadows um, which it didn't feel as magical as I thought it would. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to see a bear like more out in the, um, remote areas, kind of just like doing its thing. But I feel like this bear it had a tag on its ear and I feel like it was just like looking for food scraps. Mm-hmm. It was still like a mile or so, like half a mile, mile into the woods from the road. But I knew that it was hanging around because people... And it like did not care about us at all. I remember so many times I thought something was a bear. You know how your mind can play tricks on you, especially when you're tired. Mm-hmm. You like see something in the distance, like a stump or like a rock. And you're like, oh, is that a bear? But this time it was in the middle of the trail and it was kind of far away. And I was like, hey, Darren, is that a bear? And it actually was this time, but it just like completely ignored us. <laughs> Which maybe I'm lucky with that, that it didn't like... It, it didn't care about us at all. Um, on the long trail, I wanted to see a moose so bad. And of course, a bear if we could, but we didn't see either. But we did make some friends that saw both. Um, they saw a bear cub their first day on the long trail, which that kind of spooked them a little bit because you don't really want to see a cub right. alone. Um, <laughs> they're like, oh, what do we do? They're probably not alone. Um, right. Yeah. And then our friend was a much faster hiker than us. And we got started super early that morning. And we, I think we were probably a few hours ahead of him. He eventually caught up to us and he hadn't been hiking more than 10 minutes in front of us. And he runs back to where we are. And he's like, I just saw a moose. I'm like, no, you did not. I, I mean, if I could hike fast as fast as you, I could have seen that moose. That was my moose. <laughs> but no, it was pretty awesome that he got to see that. And he's like, it was right here. It ran down that hill. But there was a lot of moose dung. I don't know, is that what you call it? Moose, moose poop? <laughs> all over the trail. Um, and we saw tracks all over the trail. So they were out there for sure. It was almost like but, they were taunting you? Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and see if I can spot the moose. <laughs> <laughs> find the moose. Find the moose. He said it was absolutely huge, mm-hmm. too. But the other wildlife that we saw, 
Oh my gosh. Lots of mice and chipmunks would scurry um, along the walls of our tent, like right after we went to sleep. <laughs> That's why I put in the earplugs. Otherwise they would keep me up all night. Were you, I guess, a little paranoid or, or whatever about sleeping out there? Um, in the woods or? Yeah. No. Um, I think when I, not really. I mean, even on the JMT, the first night or two, we were around a lot of people. And then we finally kind of broke away once we got on the JMT and were able to choose our own campsite. Um, more so, but not, no, I actually feel more comfortable in the woods than I do in the city. I don't know if that's strange, but there's something calming and peaceful about it. And the little sounds at night sometimes will alert me, but I haven't been terrified yet. Maybe I just haven't heard anything big enough yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you also, I I mean, you've been going with Darren. So was there any nerves about going on your own? Or is there any nerves about going on your own? Um, if there were, I feel like I kind of tried to push it to the back um, as it comes. Yeah, I mean, he he's actually helped me out a lot, like, with that altitude sickness. And there was also an incident on the long trail where he, like, really helped me out. And I think that I'd have to rely, you know, I'd really have to rely on myself for those kinds of things, which... I know I can, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you won't know I try until not you to do like, it. I, I try not to, yeah, I'm trying not to dwell on fear, I guess, because I feel like facing my fear is what it's all about. It, like when I do, it makes me stronger and appreciate things more than if I didn't. If I just sit there and I'm scared of things. And I just don't know, yeah, what good that does. <laughs> I, I guess I do like to face my fears if I have any. Do you find yourself, like when you say face your fears, do you find yourself getting the fear and then purposefully, okay, I've got to go face this to get over it, to get through it? Or, yeah, I feel okay. like I, I have kind of started doing that. And, and that was, maybe that was what I was doing with the solo hike. I mean, I think part of me just wanted to hike the PCT so badly that it it didn't matter. And I knew that I would meet people out there. So I wasn't worried about being alone. Um, And actually do like my alone time sometimes, but I just heard like the great stories that you meet people along the way. And I was excited about that. When you set your sights on the, actually stepping back from that a little bit, you know, you, you've done these two trails now as sort of the tester for a longer trail, whether that's the PCT or something else, um, mm-hmm. in the next year or so. Oh, was it a tester? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, whenever I finished these shorter trails, I've always felt like I could keep going and I wanted to keep going. There wasn't any part of me that was like, okay, I'm done. I want to go home. Like, I just, I was like, man, I'm like, and I'm hiking like 15 to 20 miles a day. Like, how much further could I go? What what more can I do? So I kind of just want to see what my potential is. And these longer hikes, I think, could really, like, test that. And that's really exciting to me to see, 
like what my body can do and just kind of like what I can experience along the way. And um, yeah, so they are definitely a test. I still have the Colorado trail. I want to do that and might possibly do the Appalachian trail. We'll see. (laughs) Now, what would, what would turn the Appalachian trail for you into a definite? I feel like I'm leaning towards it more, especially after the long trail towards doing it. It's just, yeah, it's been the people that we met on the Appalachian trail slash long trail were just awesome. Like I have all these really great memories of the people that we met out there and I can imagine a lot of the same on the whole Appalachian trail. Um, not saying that people like the J and T they, they were also great. We just didn't have that much time to connect with as many people because you're not staying near shelters or like designated camp areas as much as on the long trail. Right. So we had, we had more to connect with people and that was really cool. I appreciated that. And I, like, I miss the people too already in it. I mean, we only hiked with them for a couple weeks, but it was really fun. Did you get a trail name while you were out there? So Darren named me the first time that we ever went on a backpacking trip. He named me Eagle Eye, (laughs) which I don't know if I've accepted it yet. Like it's been what, like three, four years, maybe longer since he named me that. But I don't know. I feel like I'm waiting for someone else to name me. But he named me Eagle Eye because I, he says I see everything, like every little side trail or a little detail, little insect, all these little things that he misses. He says that I, I can spot. <laughs> it's probably your photographer eye. Yeah, probably. I think so. I have that eye for detail. I love the little details. So you're, you're waiting for, I guess, a longer trail for somebody to, to throw another name at you? Or a couple names. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and I was surprised how obsessed with trail names people on the Appalachian Trail were. Like we were, we met some people that were hiking the the, the whole Appalachian Trail while we were on the long trail. And I mean, some of the first thing things someone would say to you, "What's your trail name? What's your trail name?" And I think that took us aback a little bit. Like, oh, whoa, <laughs> you guys are really into this trail name thing. And then people tried to name us out there too. And it's just, it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you have to you didn't accept, accept it, right? Yeah. You have to accept it. Yeah. And you have to like it. It sounds like you did <laughs> not accept it. <laughs> no, but yeah. So I guess Eagle Eye right now. And someone said I should go by my Instagram name, Kate the Wild, which I was like, nah, I don't know. Maybe I need something a little quirky. You know, <laughs> I like quirky. <laughs> You're not feeling that these names capture the essence of you? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it has to be some event that happens and I'm named after that or something. <laughs> oh, I'm, we'll sure, see. I'm sure you uh, getting out on the trail will provide enough quirky events that somebody will find the perfect, the perfect name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what about, have you uh, done any hikes where you've had a trail name no no i haven't okay so okay so they're yes. overrated <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure they are to come they are just not here yet or now i should say all right right yeah well i was almost named i guess i'll come out and tell the story <laughs> I, 
on the long trail, I think it was about the seventh day, I made a pretty stupid mistake. And I, so do you know those bridges that go over creeks that only have one side? Mm-hmm. Like they only have railing on one side and they're, it's pretty much just like a log, like it's a footbridge. Right. Yeah. So it was pretty early in the morning. I had not woken up yet, but I was taking a video of the steam like rising off of this water in the distance. And I really don't know what happened, but I took a step and the step was not on the bridge. It was into the air and I fell off the bridge into a bunch of rocks and that was terrifying. And I thought that in that moment that maybe the hike was over and then I wouldn't be able to finish it. I fell first onto my hand and then my arm and then my knee smashed into a rock. And I wasn't sure if anything was broken at first, you know, you're kind of like in shock and kind of feeling things out. Okay. This bridge was about six feet tall from the ground. Okay. So it wasn't like super far off the ground. But it was enough to like, you know, have a potentially like dangerous fall. So that was the other time that Darren took care of me. He, he helped me out of the creek and uh, my hat flew off in one direction and my phone was in my hand and my phone flew off in the other direction. I ended up being okay. I made some tea and some oatmeal and got me warm because it was actually like one of the first really cold nights and cold mornings on the trail but yeah that was just silly considering how many places that you could fall and hurt yourself on that trail that I fell off of a bridge so he tried to he tried to name me bridge too so (laughs) so that you would perpetually have to tell that story (laughs) I'm not accepting that one (laughs) (laughs) but I will say that KT tape is probably a thing to have because I taped up my knee to you know give it some more support mm-hmm. and I feel like that really helped me I was like I'm gonna keep going if I can walk I'm gonna keep going take some ibuprofen and yeah I just had to I iced it once I got into town and it was pretty swollen <laughs> and I had a few cuts on it but I'm surprised nothing worse happened yeah <laughs> the the trail gods were looking after you I think so. They wanted me to finish this and gain the experience. <laughs> That's right. That, that you can uh, bounce back, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. What has been one of your most challenging or difficult moments on trail? Oh, well, I would say either the bridge moment or... I don't know if this was so much challenging, but it was more like I really need to stay in a good mood and have a positive attitude for today because if I, you know, let this get to me, I mean, it could ruin, you know, my whole attitude towards this. But so, and actually it was the second to last day, but I found it to be kind of fun that we, (laughs) we were in a rainstorm pretty much the whole day. We went to sleep. It was actually supposed to rain all day the day before, but it was kind of just, you know, threatening to rain and misty. And we set up our tent in probably the worst 
thought we could have picked, but I think we had 20 miles and on a long trail, that is a lot. (laughs) We were tired and we set our tent up in almost a ditch, but we didn't realize it. So when we woke up, (laughs) I woke up at five in the morning and my phone was sitting in a puddle of water. And I was like, Darren, we are like, we are, our sleeping pads are in a puddle right now. <laughs> like we, I think like what is happening? Like we're in a puddle and we, he's like, we got to get out. We got to, we got to start hiking. We just got to pack this up. It's just going to get worse. I was like, okay, you're right. Cause you know, when it's raining, you want to lay there for an hour. And like after hiking 20 miles the day before, I was like, yeah, I'm going to sleep in a little bit, get some rest. So we realized that all of our things that were outside of the tent were also in a puddle. Not that we had to the shoes and my, his Z light, which that's not that big of a deal. And well, I'm sorry. I got to step outside for a sec. No worries. Yeah. The, so we were, you wake up in a puddle. Yeah. I'm sorry. Someone just came in and no <laughs> distracted <worries>. me. <laughs> yeah. We woke up in a puddle and He's like, we got to go. We got to go. And so we roll up our sleeping pads, deflate the air. And he's poking the tent, the floor of the tent. And it's literally like a waterbed. <laughs> There's water in our tent, but it's like, it's like bouncing like a waterbed. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, I've always wanted a waterbed. This is great. <laughs> I was just trying to like stay positive about the whole situation. And it ended up being like a really fun day. Like the, we started before the sun even came up and it was raining. We were completely soaked. We were so cold. We had to hike faster just to keep warm. The trail had turned into a river, into waterfalls. And I took multiple videos of this and put these on my stories. And people were like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But it was, it was like a water park. It was fun. <laughs> um, and we did take a break. Uh, for lunch and we we're like okay maybe we'll wait out the storm um it's supposed to stop raining around like one or two so we tried to get warm uh made some lunch and some hot tea but we just ended up like freezing and getting colder and colder and then we're like okay let's just try to hike and see what happens and then it starts pouring again even harder I'm like, well, I'm glad we didn't wait. And then it rained for hours after that. <laughs> so we were pretty much stuck in rain all day. And it got pretty cold at some point. Rain gears totally wetted out. But I think that might have been one of the most fun days, even though it was one of the most challenging. Um, and it ended on a really good note, too. We stayed in the shelter. It was the last night. And we stayed in the shelter for the first time. We slept in a tent every other night. Um but our tent was soaked. So there, we just, we had to stay in the shelter. Um, but it was jam packed and it was with a couple people that we had met on our hike so far. And we were just joking and having a good time. And we, I guess we had sleepover giggles is what Darren was calling it. (laughs) (laughs) We were just like giddy and it was fun. It really, it did boost morale to like, know people out there and like get to know people and when they would catch up to you after you're having like you're cold and shivering and they're like oh hey like what's up (laughs) you know it's kind of great to be able to do that did it remind you that i guess your your attitude is very much determined by what you're focusing on 
are you focusing on this sucks or are you focusing on this is kind of fun? Yeah, def- yeah, I was, it was just something I hadn't experienced before either. And I kind of felt lucky because on the JMT, it didn't rain at all. And that could have, I've seen um, photos and stories where it can hail and create like crazy storms up there. And so we were pretty lucky with that. So yeah, it was a new experience. And I think if it had been maybe 20 degrees colder, it might not have been the same positive feeling, but it was, yeah, it was a good experience for sure. Having Now we know not to camp in a ditch. <laughs> yeah. Note to self. We didn't know the water was going to collect right there. It wasn't necessarily a ditch, okay? <laughs> we just didn't know the water was going to collect right there. It was, it rained a lot overnight. Yeah. It was so loud. I had my earplugs in and I saw my earplugs had fallen out <laughs> because I could hear it through my earplugs, the rain on the tent. You're lucky that there wasn't uh, some flooding or something like that happening too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Having now hiked through massive bugs, having now hiked through a rain, rainy days, uh, pouring rain days, having hiked through altitude sickness, has it changed your, your mindset about doing hard things? or continuing to do hard things? Yeah, I think it makes me want to do them more just because I now know that I can get through it. That, I mean, sometimes giving up is not an option out there. You just have to go for it because there isn't really anywhere to go but forward. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, it's made me want to experience these things more, even if they're hard, especially if they're hard. It makes it more interesting and more fun. I think I get bored easily with, I don't know, the comfort of modern day life. And I, I love the challenges and I like things to be hard. <laughs> Has it, I guess, re- redefined what quote unquote hard is? Because if you've done those things and those were hard and you got through them fine and you accomplished it, Maybe they weren't as hard. Maybe, you know, so, so the next hard thing, you'll get through it as well. And it's not as hard as you thought it was in your mind type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's why I try not to read too much about what people say about certain um, mountains or certain areas, because I feel like all you'll do is just psych yourself out. And your definition of hard might be different from someone else's. Um, and you could be going over a mountain when the conditions are perfect and someone else could have a huge storm. And that, you know, that's the reason why it was hard for them. Or they were just not having a good day or they were tired or like, for example, Forrester Pass on the John Muir Trail. I feel like everyone talks about Forrester Pass. I feel like they say it's hard. I feel like they say it's challenging, but I found it to be really fun the day that we went over. It was Darren's birthday and we were actually going to camp right below and go over in the morning. But we decided, Hey, why not? Let's just go over. It's like 6 PM. Let's just like make it quick and get up there. And it was so amazing to see the vow, like everything light up as the sun set. 
just with a golden glow. Although <laughs> that probably was one of the most challenging descents that we had. We had to descend in snow, sun cup in the snow. And some of them went up almost to our knees and the trail was nowhere to be found. But luckily, I mean, people had, you know, created a route kind of near the trail because the trail was covered in snow and you just like, it was too dangerous to take the actual trail. But yeah, it was just, it was light and fun. And I think it does depend on the day too. <laughs> like how much energy you have. Yeah. But, and, and your attitude about it as we, we previously talked about. Yeah, definitely. One of the, one of the quotes that you kind of, or maybe you were quoting somebody else, but from the JMT that you, that you came back with seemed to be, or one of the, the, um, themes that you came back with was everything works out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, especially for your first through hike or first longer hike, like I, I definitely overthought and worried and what, like, is this going to work out? Is this going to work out? But it's just kind of funny the things that fall into place and then things that you think will be okay, like end up not being okay. Like, for example, my, I had problems with my feet. Like I didn't, I had no idea that that was going to happen. But yeah, of course you worry about little things like, like, am I going to have enough food? Can I actually do this? Like, I've never done anything like this before. But I think, yeah, if you give it your all, most of the time you can really make it happen and make it work. I guess besides your feet, what was one of those things where you didn't give it two thoughts beforehand? Like you had worried about all these other things, but you hadn't worried about that. And then you get out there and it became a thing. Um, yeah. The altitude sickness, probably the feet. The falling off the bridge. <laughs> like, who, think, who thinks that's going to happen? Like, oh, another weird thing is that I got, like, heat rash. Like, on my back where my backpack touched my back. And it was the day after it rained. I noticed that my back was, like, super red and, like, itchy. And, like, still, like, a week and some later, if I – I just worked out today and I – wet and my back itches so bad and I don't I don't know if it's still healing or like what's going on with that but yeah that's another it's just like all these weird things can happen <laughs> I don't know if it was because I was wet all day and sweating I don't know I I'm a ginger so I have fair sensitive skin <laughs> speaking of that you also were wearing like sun gloves and things like that as well did that work to protect your hands and yeah yeah i i would definitely wear sunglasses especially if you haven't had a lot of sun exposure in the like desert or in the high elevation just exposed areas for sure the sun was very draining and strong out there i remember also being like really dehydrated a couple times and I just like should have carried more or drank a little bit more water, but yeah, the sun is nothing, nothing to mess with. And the synthetic sun shirts help a lot with that. Um, towards the end of the JMT, I did start to prefer shorts over pants. 
I still wore the sunglasses though, just because I wanted to protect my hands and I didn't feel like getting the blisters all over my hands. Like I've seen people get, um, but yeah, once that, once you have a little bit of base, I feel like the shorts, the shorts are fine for me, but it's all about the base. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated the wider brim hat too. I don't know. I was thinking about trying a baseball hat in the desert on the PCT, but the sun hat was nice in the JMT on the JMT. Yeah. I know. I, I struggle with that. The dilemma. It's like the baseball hat would be really nice and cool. But on the flip side of that, it offers no protection for your neck and, you know, ch- uh, chin and lower face area. And so it's kind of like, oi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can always, like, put a little extra put some sunscreen on yeah. those areas. But, yeah. I don't know. I'm considering that, too. Just because it's, like, more minimal and... What is in your background? It's not <laughs> I went outside and I have, I have a lot of, um, I'll go in. All right. There we go. I, I got distracted by the birds. I don't remember what we were talking about. (laughs) I don't either. So Um, hats, sun hats, gloves. Just protection from the sun. And if you have a base, does that help? Or if you put sunscreen on, I feel like that just adds to the overall or that can add to the overall hiker stink, sticky, sweaty mess that you are. Yeah, I think some sunscreens are worse than others. But if you, I don't know, put it on sparingly, you don't need to like slather it on. Plus, you're just getting gross anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much to me. <laughs> Which is saying something considering you're a ginger. So, on the long trail, I didn't use sunscreen at all. Mm-hmm. And I actually carried it too. So now I know probably for the Appalachian Trail, I wouldn't need sunscreen just because there isn't much like, there isn't much time that you're actually in the sun. Or you selectively carry it. Right. Yeah. I could do that too. Yeah. So is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? Hmm. I don't think so. Unless you have any other questions. Well, I do have one question, but that's, I usually save that for last because it's a great way to, to go out for the, for the episode itself. But where can people find you if they want to follow your continuing adventures or have questions for you about the hike or the jewelry? Oh yeah. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at Kate the wild and my jewelry is also linked in my profile. It is rock salt vintage on Instagram and you can shop on my website at rocksaltvintage.com too. And I usually do um, some limited edition releases. I haven't done any in a couple months because of the long trail, but I'm excited to get back on that. So yeah. Perfect. And so for the, the final question of today, when you think about the trails and you think about hiking, the through hiking and stuff like that, what is sort of your, your best moment, your sharpest memory of that experience? Hmm. My best moment. The moment well, after you fell off the bridge and realized you hadn't broken anything? <laughs> no, no. 
maybe it's actually like coming home and just like thinking about just like having those memories, just having all of the memories um, to look back on. I, in the photographs, I think really bring, you know, help me remember all of those moments, um, the good and the bad. But <laughs> I did take a picture of that bridge and it's a really pretty big bridge, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I mean, finishing like the trail is great and all, but I, I don't know. I never feel like I have like a grand emotional moment where it's like, I did it. <laughs> but I mean, I feel pretty like proud and excited that it's the last day and I finished, but I don't know. I think it's just like the everything about it, like all of it wrapped into one memory that is just yeah I don't know makes it the good and the bad make it great <laughs> speak a little louder and we find ourselves wishing that we could make a bigger change And links for Caitlin's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. A special thanks to Caitlin for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with John Sprankle about his creation of the Oahu Coastline Trail. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. And then come back and tell the stories. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>